The Derek and Mike Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. Hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. We're on Instagram as Derek and Mike or on our website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike and this is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Derek, I am really excited about welcoming our guest and longtime friend and uh, a common employer, a common previous employer of both of us. And uh, just an all-around awesome guy um, with us today is Tim Sullivan. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. Excited really cool to, to see you. It's been way too long. It's been, yeah, it's, God, how many years has it been? I'm almost afraid to count, but it's been a lot. Probably more than 10 of them. Oh, for you, Derek, four? Well, I was yeah. saying 2004, I think, was oh, around. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been yeah. about 18 years. Yeah. Holy gosh. Wow. Uh yeah, well, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. well, yeah. When you get older, it flies faster. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. And, and and one description too, I would put in there is mentor. Like I think uh, Tim, we we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. Tim. But uh, yeah, you were really a heck of a mentor for Mike and I. And mentor might even be a, a light interpretation of it. Uh, or in Derek's case, uh, dad. Right, remember the, <laughs> the story. I'm a horrible father. Uh, I, oh, I love man. that story. Oh man, yeah. I, I got and I, you know, I got to ask you, Tim. And uh, the and the podcast. I think maybe you even heard that podcast, but um, yeah, I remember distinctly. I accidentally called you dad one time, um, and yeah, it was very awkward, of course. But do you remember? Did did you hear that, or do you remember that, or did it ever register? vaguely i mean i mean these days today i need privagen to remember what i had for breakfast so uh, <laughs> uh i i it, it, i kind of remember it i mean i remember other stuff better but yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's yeah, one some of those, those memories where... are just kind of like oh yeah i kind of remember that yeah but uh yeah for me i guess it was just such an embarrassing type moment but it, <laughs> at the same time i think it kind of also revealed that i don't think you view my dad but uh, definitely a, a huge mentor and a big part of my life, I think. Um, so, and you know, I, I'm, I think I'm getting this all out, uh, in the beginning here just because, um, uh, I appreciate everything that you did for me, you know? Um, and I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't want it to get all gushy or anything, but, um, I don't know if I ever told you that. Yeah, you did. And okay. it's, oh, that's it's right. appreciated that you told me that. Yeah. Cause you know, cause sometimes okay. as an employer, you, you don't, you know, you, you lose contact with former employees and you see that they've gone out and done other things. You just wonder, you know, did I help them in any way, shape or form? Did I uh, screw them up in any way, shape or form? Oh. Uh, did I set unrealistic expectations or realistic expectations for them? So I'm glad it all worked out for you. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's really yeah, cool. Mike, Cause yeah. I, I think Tim played a big role in your life. Um, in 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 a lot of those ways and then for me it was so similar but a little bit different because i was so young and coming to work for you tim was virtually my first real job 
Um, I had a job before I came to work for you, but it was really just one of those BS kid jobs where you're just kind of working for beer money, you know? And uh, when I came to work for you, it was one of these, like, real opportunities that I feel like it expanded me as, as a person or as a man or in so many different ways of, like, personally and professionally. And I don't know that I really rose to the opportunity as much as I should. I still was pretty immature at that age. Um, but it did help me grow a lot. And then even the experience after I I left the company um, was something that I continued to expand on and take that experience into continued growth, um, which which was like invaluable and it's hard to put into words and it does feel a little gushy and I don't want to gush all over you. But I think both of us just revere you so much for um, what you did. Well, like what you did, like uh, the example that you set by what you did for your own company and for your own employees and just how you conducted yourself in business was always impressive um, to me, but also what you did for us and the opportunities that you gave to us. To us. Um, and for me specifically, like, dude, I, I was always very grateful for you seeing something in me and giving me a chance to take on such an important role because really I was just a punk kid and I feel like I had some potential and I was good at what I did. But I, I was always really grateful that you saw through my, you know, tats. Yeah, dude, I was, <laughs> I was, I was very immature. I mean, gosh, you hired me and I was like nineteen or twenty. And, well, we uh, had to introduce long sleeve shirts for trade shows because of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, society wasn't the same as it is today. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't care. But, you know, we were de- dealing with a bunch of geeks and nerds, basically. And uh, uh, we wanted them to take you seriously. And it, it's, again, you, you know me, I see through that stuff. I really don't care, but a lot of sure. people did at that time. And I think Not it was so a, little, a little different back then for visible tattoos. Like I have tattoos on my forearm and uh, it was a little different then than, than maybe it is now. You see tattoos so much more in... in uh, every level of of the professional world but um you just can't see mine no no <laughs> i think we're, we're gonna stop that conversation right there Uh-oh. <laughs> no they're all above the waist that's okay oh, okay good 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 <laughs> uh, okay are these new tats that you got because i don't remember uh, i got them when a couple of my kids turned 18 they wanted tattoos and so when my oldest turned 18 we were in hawaii and uh i got a tribal son and then uh uh when i i forget which other kid oh when my daughter rachel turned 18 she wanted one so i got a big four-leaf clover on my other back shoulder i forget they're there all the time oh nice so you just i just turn around and go oh yeah i oops I did that <laughs> that's cool my, my dad did a similar thing where he was always very against tattoos and when i got my first tattoo i think i was 18 when i got my first tattoo and my first one was huge it was a full like lower arm half sleeve kind of deal so when my dad first saw it he was very disappointed i think and he was just kind of like why would you do that you know it and uh he later told me his first thought was well now i have to disown my son like oh this is terrible he never said that out loud and when he told me later i was like oh my gosh but then not long after i got tattoos he went and started getting tattoos he got a big band around his arm and he got a big like um uh, dream catcher like kind of a native dream catcher design on the other arm and all that so uh i think they're a little bit contagious well they cool is, yeah loosen your dad up a little bit then huh? yeah yeah that's, i guess so yeah that's funny yeah. does your dad have any tattoos derek 
No. Mm-mm. You don't have any tattoos, no. do you? I don't have any tattoos either. Oh, no. we'll change that. We'll get them. We'll take them yeah. down there. Take him to Vegas and New Orleans. <laughs> I think you're going to be there next month on uh, the sixth and the seventh or it, something it like that. It so. It's funny. It doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but when that needle hits you, you got to stay still. So, well, yeah. Once it hits you, yeah. you've started. You can't turn back now. You can't go home with like a partial tattoo. You can't. You can't get, have the 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 quitter mark. You got to finish it. But sometimes yeah. it does hurt. <laughs> I remember you, Derek. Since you're uh, since you're uh, a ginger fella. You had said that if you ever did get a tattoo, you would probably get like a, a brown one because the black just wouldn't, <laughs> look, wouldn't look right on your body. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm white as a ghost. Obviously, I don't really even need to tell you that. You can you can see the red beard, but um, yeah, like a black tattoo on a really white skin, it just it's not a very appealing look. I don't think. <laughs> you know, like so the brown the the henna what is that henna tattoos or there's like a, <laughs> the sta- uh, the staining ones, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that staining ones? And never mind. But I would start with that. Maybe perfect the tattoo. And yeah, that's a good. That's a good place to start. Kind of work on a design. Yeah. Where Where were you when you got that tattoo? Uh, Tim, was that uh... Uh, the first one? I was in Hawaii. The second one oh, was Hawaii. locally in uh, uh, some place in Orange County. I forget where. It's been a few years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Well, we just passed pla- St. Patrick's Day. So the uh, the the shamrock tattoo kind of comes in handy. You don't have to worry about wearing green. It's uh, right there yeah, built in. But, you know, there's a I had a little old lady yesterday at a, who was wearing a green shirt, and I went grocery shopping, so I made shepherd's pie for from oh, nice. scratch for uh, 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 for St. Patrick's Day. And uh, this is funny. This little seven year old lady goes, "Oh, look at you! How cute you are wearing green." You know, oh, you're really into St. Patrick's Day. And I looked at her and said, you know, with my name, honey, I have to be Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a prerequisite. Yeah, it is. It's expected. Yeah. That's funny. Are we, um, I want to talk about the old company, but are we okay to like say the name of the company or all that? Are we better off just calling it the software company? you You can say it. They got acquired a couple of years ago. And it's been pretty much absorbed in to the parent company. So okay. the brand is kind of there, but it's, it's, they don't even have a website anymore. It okay. goes directly to the parent company. Okay. So, so active PDF, um, yeah. one of my, my first, well, my first real job, like I said, um, Derek, I don't know where that falls in your chronology of real software gigs, but that was pretty early on in your in your computer yeah that was kind of my my first real job yeah Yeah, um, you you designed i remember you used to do 3d designs or something for fleetwood yeah or something wow of course and and i (laughs) that was about all the tech experience that you had at that point so uh uh, but i remember that that yeah i was on your resume Exactly. Yeah. I forgot about that for some reason. I guess I, I'm not, I wasn't a very good drafter, but, um, but I did love the 3d design aspect of it. And, uh, I going, uh, since I wasn't a good drafter, I started to learn programming and I just started programming school, I think Tim. And what happened was, um, I was going to quit. I quit my job so I can do programming school as much as possible and just focus on that. And after about six months, I needed money. And I've told Mike this story too, I think, but so I needed money and I was like, okay, I'm going to 
I'm going to cold call people and try to get a job. I opened up the phone book back in those days. And of course, right there listed almost number one under computer services was active PDF. And that was like my first call. And I called up Tony and I uh, said, you know, you guys need anybody? And you, she was like, let me ask. And then, yeah, can you come in today at three? And uh, <laughs> she was um, like hollered down the man. hall. That was at the old office in Corona, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was tiny. Yeah. Yeah. I started mm-hmm. there. I didn't work there at that office long, but the, that you guys were there when uh, when I started with you. Yep. That was yep. um. so then you just called. Tony hollered down the hall, hey, Tim, you want to hire some guys? Like, sure, bring them in. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, uh, yeah, bring them in. And then um, uh, came in at three. And, you know, I think I started saying, like, yeah, I'm going to programming school. And, yeah, I know, I don't remember, just a little bit of vis- visual basic. You but... going to ITT or something like that, tech or something, right? Uh, uh can cut close yeah computer learning center it's the okay uh, I, I, I remember yeah. one of those things yeah but yeah it was a great trade school it's like you know it was 20 months i paid twelve thousand dollars for my education much less than obviously a lot of people um but what was great is like you know if you're willing to put an extra effort there's teachers that are willing to like help you out with that extra effort too and i really had some great teachers um but but i mean and definitely like working at active pdf just it was just so much fun <laughs> like for for just somebody getting into programming and like i remember like getting into visual vb script remember that tim we we vb scripted almost everything <laughs> it was such a beautiful little uh um I think you can still do it even, but man, it was just such a great learning experience. I mean, on, on all levels, that job was just so amazing for me. It was a really, um, really uh, formative growth experience. And I, and I wonder, I don't know that I've ever gotten to the details of how you started that, Tim. Was that your first software venture or how did this all start for you? Well, so uh, <clears throat> I was, uh, uh, I had, I mean, uh, I had been, I think, technically an employee of my 40 years in the industry, like six years. Okay. Right. So the other 34, I was either a consultant or a business owner. And so I had been consulting for, uh, I think it started about 90, <clears throat> 92. And uh, uh, I was, I had a partner at the time and uh uh, we were consulting for like Southern California Edison, Amway, uh, Hughes Spacecraft. Consulting for and like like the, the the way they use their own software, software or right. that kind of, okay. But we wrote custom software for them, okay. Basically, and there was a there was a package that we had one of that we were subcontracting on before that uh, we would tailor the the software package for the individual company's needs, and uh, but one of the the clients that we had met, I could definitely say it's now because they're not really in existence anymore. It was Warner Music Group. Okay. And basically Warner Brothers Records. They, they, they Their talent list included uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Green Day, uh, Bette Midler. So they, they do genre things. And they were in the midst of porting from a mini computer over to PCs and in a, a uh, what people would call the cloud today, basically a client server, right? Okay. You weren't, they, browsers really weren't a thing 
back then. They were kind of right. You had the back in that day, you had Netscape is yeah. kind of the dominant player back then. Netscape Navigator. Yeah, Netscape Navigator. I mean, people know it today as Mozilla. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, uh, so basically, they, they wanted, they had this royalty reporting system. So they, uh, they basically needed some people running on Macs, some people running on PCs. So they had a uh, they they needed to see the reports and be able to distribute those reports, but uh, on on every type of device. You know, back then, I think the only handhelds may have been Palm Pilots. Mm-hmm. I'm really dating myself with this stuff. So this is like before BlackBerry or before any of that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is before BlackBerry. Okay. And uh, BlackBerry came into play about 2000. Okay. Right? So, and uh, uh, so we had, uh, uh, I basically had figured out how to make Acrobat run on a server, Adobe Acrobat. Okay. So uh, we had looked at all these, these quote, paperless technologies. And the one that I chose was PDF because it was new. It was only about three years old. So that was back in 97. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> and there, there were a couple others, but the thing I liked about PDF was that there was this, actually a published specification for the file format. So what had happened was I, I did this for Warner Brothers Records and it, it worked for them. And I decided to create a product out of it. I'm a, but at the same time, I was actually very heavily into e-commerce. Okay. So I was doing a lot of work with uh, uh, MedicineNet. Uh, I, I, I can. There was an adult video company, ah. <laughs> and so uh, you know that's where the money was back then. That's where the internet was. Bills. Yeah, basically, it was. I, I, I was not responsible for content. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And. Uh, uh, so, so like you were building I, I like these packages together and I, I was selling about eight or nine different software packages. And then in, uh, you know, I said, you know, I wonder if the, any of this would really take off and I was making pretty good money doing it. And I took $5,000, which for me was a lot, a lot of money and, and, uh, uh, got a booth at the Microsoft partner pavilion at Comdex. Okay. Derek, you remember Convex? I don't, I don't uh, know if you actually did. You go to any of them, uh-huh. Mike? Yeah, in Vegas, okay. right? They, they would have people don't know about this today. I mean, they had a quarter million people go to this thing. Wow! Every year, and it was five days long. And so, what I did was, I decided, you know, I'm going to see if I can market this a little bit, and I uh, put it out there and had people coming to the to this little tiny booth, and I got over five thousand leads in a week. Wow, and there were, none of them had to do with e-commerce. Nobody could care less. They were all about PDF. Wow. So I basically uh, yeah, you had to go to like the, a adult con to uh, market the uh, the adult stuff you were working on there. <laughs> that, that's a different convention. My con, the, yeah, the company they were doing that. I, <laughs> not, yeah, not responsible for content or marketing. <laughs> uh, but the 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 the. Everybody, you know, they love the technology, but they go, God, it's kind of a stupid product name. It was called like the web server printing toolkit. Okay. It was kind of, I had all these dumb names for the products and uh, in hindsight, they were dumb names. I thought they're good at the time, but uh, 
I basically shut down after that and uh, for about three months and just out of the blue, I came out with the name Active PDF and rebranded everything, uh, upgraded all the software, had to change uh, the documentation, everything. Basically, was working 18-hour days for three months straight. And I launched it on uh, January 17th, 2000. Wow. And I got my first sale three hours later. And wow. it came through. And I remember it was Compact Computer. Another company's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of Ireland. Huh. And uh, uh, so that was, it was his, you know, that that's kind of where everything started. And <clears throat> it, it, the funny thing is, 20 years later, we were still selling the same five products yeah and we tried other products they'd fall to the wayside and and we tried to, to add new things but at the end of the day people just wanted to, we were pe- companies just wanted these same five technologies yeah and because that's what the company was known for mm-hmm. well and that, that yeah. really just addresses the common workflow of so many businesses needing to create documents keep them secure edit them like just the most kind of simple principle, but such a such a uh, ubiquitously or universally useful tool, um, just kind of kept those core products so relevant over over twenty years is incredible. Yeah, it was well. The the thing was they were they're written for to run on old Pentium computers ah. that people housed inside. And so again, I'm dating myself way back when people go, "What are Pentiums?" <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so they had to perform at scale on these computers today. Your your phone is faster than a Pentium computer. Yeah. And uh, so they had to run at scale on those. And so the, the software automatically got faster and faster and faster. And we had to charge more money for the software because there were fewer servers to run them on okay. because people would just beef up their servers. I mean, when we were, Derek, when we were, we were first starting, we had a dual CPU. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was in the yeah. office. <laughs> we thought we were the shit. I mean, we, we thought we were so cool with that. I mean, everything's yeah. quad, eight core, 16 core out the door now. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a different time. And, uh, what we were known for was, a, it was faster than everybody else. I, I remember seeing this one comment on a website where someone was thinking about, you know, I don't know, I, I like Active PDF. I'm, you know, th- there's this other product out there, but it's like 10 milliseconds slower. And somebody said, 10 milliseconds slower, what does that matter? Was, well, I need to process a million documents. Mm. So you multiply a million documents, a million times 10 milliseconds, he goes, that's like a day. That, it, yeah. it's, that this product is faster. Sure. And weren't you so, uh, controlling? Uh, and the other oh, one, sorry. I'm sorry. Was that? Oh, well, I was going to, weren't you controlling uh, Acrobat or Adobe Reader through DDE or something? Yeah, that was in the old days until okay. Acrobat yeah. changed their licensing. And then we were the first company to ever license a third party I mean, actually, that a third-party non-open source technology that did PostScript to PDF, and and uh, uh, that was 
we were the first company to do it. They they yeah. didn't know if they wanted us to do it. We we stayed their customer of theirs for years, and uh, then we eventually switched over to uh, the open source uh, GoScript product and did a commercial license with them. So, uh, but it, it's yeah. Adobe basically said, yeah, n- no, 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 not today, not in my house. Yeah. not doing this anymore. So uh, 90% of our problems were controlling those applications running on servers. So sure. Yeah. And that that's basically DDE is like, uh, if you were to physically open up Acrobat, have it in front of your face, like doesn't DDE, it targets the actual buttons on the Acrobat screen, doesn't it? Yeah. And, kind of kind of it's so dde basically was a communication channel that allowed a programmer to send commands into the application but it used uh uh uh, the the quote messaging that it used was through uh uh a a window you see on the screen. I mean, I know that doesn't make sense to non-programmers, but basically you can think of, there's like a little pipeline in the window and it's receiving events and it's receiving messages all the time. Uh, And DDE was dynamic data exchange and allowed you to do two-way transfer of of information. I mean, that was the old, old technology that, I mean, obviously it, it, evolved over time uh but what would happen is derek will know that the stupid boxes would lock modals, up modals yeah modal boxes yeah and so they would stay open and then oh, my server's all hung no it's not hung anymore and, and so it was I, I think adobe changed that model licensing in their 4.0 which was right before you know when we uh it was right before the company launched and so we had switched to that third party licensing i think the product you're thinking about more is spooler spooler yeah uh-huh. yeah the one that actually printed pdf mm-hmm. through and rendered it to the printer uh and also when we controlled and ran microsoft word on a server nobody oh, thought we could yeah. get away with it we were the only ones that that uh that made it technically possible to where it rarely crashed so yeah i remember that that was a big uh boon right there that uh what was that called uh word dot converter dot converter of course yeah. um still around still around yeah. there's big wow uh, without naming the company there's a big uh, electronic signature company that uses it to convert billions of documents wow oh man really well because so, like there's yeah. no there's no workaround for using native word. Like you have native words. So the margins aren't messed up. Nothing's all messed up. That was yeah. really a challenge. Cause some other people were like using other uh, word processors to convert and they just came out a mess. But yeah, you, you had figured out how to do automate word and a multi kind of a multi not threaded way, but a multi program way. Was it multiple executables? Yep. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the way that the technology still runs today i mean what's nice is that microsoft actually offers a licensing option now for that uh they they before they we would always get oh you can't do it you can't run the the product that way and uh the irony was people would tell us that that the uh uh, bill gates foundation was actually running the technology (laughs) so i'm saying yeah yeah if i can't 
he can't either. So yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I I wanted to ask you one thing too, because this um it floats back in my memory every once in a while. And I had, I remembered when you had told me, but you went to uh USC, uh University of Spoiled Children, I think. Uh <laughs> but um but the, or second choice or yeah, I've heard them all. <laughs> No, I, I didn't go there. I worked there. Oh, you worked there. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, was be- the uh, yeah. technical manager for student systems. Okay. Because you had received a grant from, I think it was IBM at the time. Yes. To to prove out remote procedure calls. Yes. The, the, I remember that. Wow, I'm proud of myself. That was, uh, yeah. uh, what that was, was uh, this was well, I mean, the internet was, so the, the history of the internet was, was built by the Department of Defense's DARPA net. Okay. But the underlying one, underlying principle or underlying technology was between universities, right? Research universities. <laughs> and so what we were trying to do is a proof of concept where we could have a doctor at a basically a, a small community hospital. Uh, pulling up records, medical records, and medical imaging from a the patient's hospital, which was in San Francisco, and talking to an expert in uh, uh, at John Hopkins Hospital in New York, and uh, we were all we did all this and made all this happen in real time for a, a, a congressional committee, and. Uh, now it's this stuff you can do it over zoom right yeah but uh back then it was it was kind of bleeding edge stuff and I, my job was to make the real time data transfer and and uh uh the, the not the actual communication protocols but basically talk to uh uh databases and imaging technology and being able to pull all that together into a single uh screen wow. so and this is before you had graphical user interfaces we were still all character based yeah and uh i mean graphical was just kind of uh coming into the mix so that was like in 95 i think I, we did that one and was that you you that was during that six years where you were an employee or is this like while you were in school that was actually you get post, to that, point? that was after i was employed okay yeah. so when i was i worked at usc from uh 80, 84 until 89. I was there about okay. five years and okay. uh, uh, I ran the, uh, I was in charge of integration between financial aid, admissions, registration, and tuition receivables. Okay. So uh, uh, we were doing some bleeding edge stuff there. My mentor was from there. Okay. So it was my boss's boss. And, uh, this is just a brilliant guy. He used to design war games mm. for NORAD. And wow. to this day, I mean, as of about three or four years ago, he was still doing missile tracking software to see where uh, uh, the missiles would be coming in from North Korea wow. and be able to track that in real time. But not just tracking in real time. They can do that easily, sharing that data in real time amongst, you know, a thousand endpoints. Wow. So, uh, and the data is flying so fast that it, it, getting the, the information to move from one place to another, uh, 
yeah, he was in charge of that. And he also worked on Israel's missile defense stuff. And so the guy was brilliant. And uh, uh, so that's who, that's the guy I learned from. Wow. Does he have wow. to know anything about radars to do that too? Or is it just an API that he hooks into? Exactly. It's an API. At the end of the day for, for him, it was just bits and bytes and numbers. Okay. You know, and, and as, as I would tell uh, uh, my developers that, that and later on, so I got some, you know, Derek, after you, you guys left, Mike, after you, you left, I, I got some really hyper intelligent guys working for me. And there's this one kid that, that, and I call him a kid because he was, went to school with my son. So I can call him a kid. <laughs> he, uh, double master or yeah, yeah he had a, a uh, uh, master's in game design and master's in math. And, and, uh, uh, he was, while he was looking to work, I basically made him my R and D programmer. And then the guy just solved these super complex math problems because at the, at the end of the day, what, even when you're solving business problems, even when you're doing AI, anything, it's all math. It is. Yeah. That's yeah a, that's it's, a, just, it's just math. It's that's a, you know, I, I didn't realize how much math played such an important role in programming. And, you know, I, I say this because now I'm in a data science department and um, there's some code that uh, like we we have a, a mathematician. We have a doc. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he has a Ph.D. in applied mathematics from Oxford. Really, <laughs> really like super intelligent guy. And he has four core um, not algorithms, but they are formulas that make up uh, a product that we created. And I'm telling you, like there's for me to to. I could program that outside of the formula. It would take me forever. It'd be like if, else, if, else, if, else. But that formula right there condenses it enormously, you know? So, yeah, you're right. I'm just starting to learn how that, that math really makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. I want to tell a story about Mike. Oh, oh no, no, no. You guys this is, like no, that. This is great. <laughs> Mike, you're you're going to appreciate this one. So Mike had been working for, I don't know, a couple, three months, maybe – a little bit longer. We we had to go to New York. Okay. okay? And we had to share a room yeah. because we weren't making that much money back then. Yeah, I remember those days. Okay. All right. And so, but I got us a room at, at the Holiday Inn in Times Square. So we mm-hmm. were like right over the middle of Times Square. And we were doing a show at the Jacob Jack Javits Center. Yeah. And I think that was the old Seabold show, if I remember. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. I remember Seabold, yeah. And my dogs. Oh, mailman. Uh, and so I, uh, we, we had worked an eight or nine hour day. We'd been on our feet all day. And I said, let's go down and have a drink and then let's get dinner. And so we're sitting down at the, uh, at, at the bar and we're, we're chatting. And all of a sudden my Blackberry phone goes off. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, oh yeah. And it turned out to be, uh, and this was post nine 11, about a year later, about, but going to be about uh, September, 2002. Mm-hmm. And I get a call and it's from the, it's from an IT director from the department of justice. And he said he needed to convert 90,000 FBI field reports in a week. And, and uh, uh, all you could hear is one side of the conversation. I sure. remember this. And I just looked, I remember looking at you and I looked at the phone and I said, well, what's your credit card number? <laughs> 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 they go, well, what's your credit card number? It'll be done by the end of the week. 
And I just hung up the phone. You looked at me, you go, what the hell was that about? And I just went, I just went oh, we just closed a deal with the FBI. <laughs> and uh, uh, you said, just over the phone like that? Like, goes, just yeah. like that? Yeah. You, you, well, you, you make a promise, but you got to deliver on it. Sure. And so, but we had done that for the, uh, uh, they were, the guys were uh, uh, going to, they had captured a bunch of the people and they were going on trial and they needed them for, uh, wow. for the actual trial. So that's incredible uh, yeah it's it's or that's where the one where you, you said something just like that's how it's done yeah that yeah that's how it's done it's, <laughs> i'll have another cocktail please yeah yeah I remember <laughs> you, you probably said all of like 12 words on that phone call yeah that was cool yeah, yeah. i do that that was just that that story is um illustrative of the, the many times where I just saw you in action in so many different ways, whether it's you running a business or you working with customers or you just honestly using like your, your insane grasp of the technology that you created. So no surprise, but it was always impressive to me that, that you just, you just owned this, this, uh, the world that you were in. And it was always just so impressive to me. And, and, um, I remember, like you say, oh, that's how it's done. But that's how I thought when I saw you do a lot of things. I was just thinking like, damn, that's that's how you do it. Um, and it was cool the way you handled things because when you think of a guy who's who's that good at what he does and that smart and that good of a business owner and just like that savvy, I always thought you were just like really, really savvy. You were always so cool about it and so casual. Like in that case, you're just like, yeah, we just closed this deal. That's how it's done. And it wasn't like... uh it wasn't like an arrogant thing at all. Like it really just was like, that's just as easy. Like, Oh, you need this done. Yeah, we can do it. What's your credit card number. You were just so casual and confident and cool. And you just made it happen. I was always so impressed by that. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I did have to get reminded later in as the company grew and, you know, you get to 25, 30 employees there, there's certain periods as a business owner, you get to certain peaks. Sure. Like when you get to 10 employees, when you get to, to 20 employees and you get to 30 employees and we were always hovering about 30 employees. Yeah. But, uh, uh, there was a period there where I was getting frustrated. You guys were long gone by then. And, uh, I actually had to have somebody and, and I don't mean to toot my horn, but when it came, like you said, when it came to technology, technology, I was the smartest guy in the room and to change my expectations sure. of people. Once I got around that and I worked that, I became more of a mentor to those people versus a boss. And, uh, you know, sometimes you had to be a boss and sometimes, sure. you know, in the, old, in the old days, it was awesome. We could go out and be friends, go out and party, go out and have a good time. But when the company grew to a certain size, I had to stop and that had to change because then people saw favoritism mm. and, uh, things like that. But, uh, okay. uh, uh, and then I, I really, I mean, that's one of the things we got rid of performance reviews and uh, started doing coaching instead. Okay. And we, we started making the employees drive their coaching experience. So uh, uh, the employee would, would come to us and say the things they've done right, the things they've done wrong. And the, and the, the supervisor would go back and go, yeah, you're right, you're wrong, whatever. But here's the things I see that need to change. And then the employee has to come back and say, this is what I'm going to do to change them. That's a really cool way. That's a cool, really cool way to drive improvement because when someone feels like they self-identify, they own those goods and bads yeah. more. And then when they feel like they're bringing a solution or a way to address those goods and bads, 
they again own that more so they're more personally accountable um that's a much more productive way of doing it rather than like okay let's look at your review okay you suck in this category here's what you need to do to fix it uh fix it before our next review yeah well and the the thing is too is that you 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 know, I, I went through a couple legal battles when, when running a company, you always do. And uh, every time performance reviews came back to bite me mm. because the employee would be doing well and then all of a sudden they're not doing well and you give them a negative performance review because they're not doing well. And they said, yeah, yeah, you, this was a, a th- you, know, you just said this so you could fire them. and. Oh. You know, so what we we did was, you know, to, we eliminated that. I had gotten a CEO coach, and he's one who advised me just you know, just get rid of it. Okay, and uh, go to this go to a coaching system, and I found a really good coaching system that that it it allowed the employees to grow. And in fact, one employee that had been with the company for years was on the brink of being terminated, and uh, through his through the coaching process, he actually moved into a new position that he just started thriving in and the customers loved him. He was happy. We were getting a lot better performance that, you know, out of that person. And, uh, uh, the company benefited overall, just, just on that one example, it was huge. That's awesome. I mean, that's uh, better for everybody, better for the company, better for him. Exactly. Exactly. And, and at the end of the day, he got to own it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it was, it was his change and, 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 you know, and, and, uh, his results. That's yeah, gotta see, be really we're, not, we're not just imagining it. You, you do that. That's, that's the approach I think that I was talking about and that Mike was probably talking about is that, um, you know, you get involved at that level of, uh, allowing people to kind of see, see their own things a little bit more. And, um, yeah, that was that was definitely different for me too. I remember you you had sent me. Um, this is so embarrassing, and I feel so ashamed even talking about it. But you sent me to a management class because really, I, I had no business being a manager. I'm just gonna come right out and say that I was horrible. I was horrible. Um, and you know, but how do you tell somebody that? You know what I mean? And and of course, I was a great troubleshooter. That's what I was. Was I could troubleshoot anything. But managing people, not so much. And boy, I went through that entire class. And then at the very end, I if I if they gave out grades, it would most definitely be a flunk. Uh, because I I completely contradicted the entire class in in the last summary class. And uh there everybody looked at me like, Did you even get anything out of that? And I <laughs> I, I realized it at the time. I was like, I just contradicted the entire class. So even though I didn't get anything through that entire time going through the class, I do realize that after the class, wow, I, I mean, at least I realized something, I guess. I, I realized say. that I should not be a manager. <laughs> I realized I shouldn't be a manager. Oh my there, God. That was a $5,000 lesson. I'm just oh, saying. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I. No, send, you, send him an invoice, invest- Tim. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, then that's the other thing too. I know that, that, Derek, you went through it and every other person that was in a management position went through it yeah. up until a, a, a period of time when, when, uh, uh, I didn't do that anymore, but, uh, uh, that, that was, so the reason I did that was that, so everybody was on the same level. We were all using the same vocabulary. We were all using the same terminology, you know, that, oh, yeah. and when I would say, you know, 
uh, all right, we're, we're going to work with Pareto's principle here, which is the 80-20 rule, right? I mean, that was like a big thing of that class that you went to, mm-hmm. yep. right? You, oh, yeah, you exactly. 80% of your time is spent working on 20% of the problems, all right? So how do we fix that? You know, and so that 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 we're not spending that amount of time and, and understanding those types of things. And, uh, it, you know, the reason I did it was so people would be aligned the same way. Sure. And also the other reason was completely selfish. So I didn't have to do all the work. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, and no. you sent me to a, a sales class called yeah. the Sandler Sales Institute. Yep. Um, yep. That was my first formal sales training. And uh, yep. that was informative and like or or not informative it was but it was formative like it really it really helped me see the business or the process of selling in a totally different way that was like opening up a whole new world instead of like where i came from before i came to work for you was more like telemarketing well kind of literally telemarketing and then uh going more into like a solution based selling which is what the sandler yeah. sales institute taught was it was seriously like an epiphany of like, oh, wow, this makes so much more sense instead of me telling everybody about why they need this or singing and dancing about features and benefits is asking them questions and then just providing solutions to what they're already looking for, like let people sell themselves. And it was such a simple idea, but so well presented and practice, which it really took practice to to become that sort of a sales rep. Um but it was it was life changing, and I'm still in a sales role, and I've taken those foundational things I learned from that sales that sales institute and from from you and your company uh, on with me for a long time, and have had a lot of success with it. So that that was a very different experience than Derek's uh, failed management class. So thank you for that, Tim. Your your money on that was well was well invested. You know, during the the last I guess two or three years owning the company, uh, I I would think back to you and Eric sitting in that little cubicle and how we had to shut you guys off from the rest of us because you guys were just on the phone talking the whole time. And with today's technology, people don't do that. Yeah. Right. So everything's email based Mm -hmm. and it's all about getting that person on the phone versus you guys were given a list that we would get from a trade show. Mm -hmm. And you would sit there and call those people and you were not allowed to, 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 uh, uh, to say no to that until you tried like eight times or whatever the number was. And I just remember hearing you guys until five 36 at night. All of a sudden you realize, Oh crap, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go home. Yeah. Or or Tim coming in, go get the hell out of the office. Uh, Uh, man, Eric and I had so much fun working together. He was such a cool guy. Yeah. And and it really became like this friendly competition of yeah. we were both sharing our our CRM program uh, which was called ACT and uh, yeah, were you on goldmine was it goldmine gold, maybe it was goldmine early oh, yeah. we moved I don't, to know, ACT. We I don't remember when six we, of them. Yeah. yeah and and then we would each like log our call attempts so we would basically be like okay so we called so and so no answer or we left a voicemail or we got directed to someone they were out at lunch or whatever and we'd log all those in our CRM and and yeah we wouldn't we wouldn't give up on a lead until there was at least 8 attempts and sometimes more if it seemed like a hot lead and it became this really fun game where we were somewhat in a friendly competition with each other of of who could just who could nail more of these who could have a higher close percentage or even just like a higher contact percentage of of trade show leads um it was so much fun. Yeah. It was a really know, they, fun environment. 
the uh, uh, the offices would change would change so much too. So I remember Derek's first office was a closet, yeah, <laughs> yeah. with with a long table in it. And yeah, I uh, remember you and uh, Andy Andrew, was there. Andrew, yeah, Andy. Andrew uh-huh. came in, and then we took you to where you were in the fishbowl. The fishbowl. Oh yeah, the yeah. Fishbowl, <laughs> and right behind that, which was the we put that quad area or the quad desk in where with Natra and and, yeah. and uh, Andrew and and Miriam. the voice then and the phone system they all went into there and. Uh, and you guys had had that that back room. Uh, and I think I, I remember we were in that office for almost ten years. Remember, my office yeah. kept slipping. Kept oh, shrinking. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like down the hill. I had or to say like, oh. or he kept sinking down in the ground every three oh, year, every year really? or so. They'd come in and pour concrete oh, shit. To, to raise it up because it kept sinking to the side of this hill in the in the. Uh, uh, Mission Viejo. I kept wondering why my back would be stiff, but my chair would just slide down. Wow! Or like a sinking ship, you just you just start like kind of rolling toward the wall. Yeah, going, what the pretty hell? much. I mean, it was a floating floor, and the floor just kept sinking down. In wow! The wow! So we, had, we eventually moved across the street to that big silver building. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. wondering if you end up staying in that same building or she moved over there. Wow! Yeah, it, it's. We actually ended up at about six thousand square feet. Okay. There. How big so, was the first yeah. building that I worked in? The sinking building. The sinking building. That one I think was almost six thousand as oh, okay. well because we we had half the build half the, the the space at first. Yeah. And then we had them build uh, because we had offices, and then we we had them rebuild the conference room and a bunch mm. of other stuff, right where uh, uh, the receptionist where Shelly sat. Yeah. Right behind her. That's right. And uh ah, Shelly, I forgot about Shelly. She was cool. Yeah, they, they, they none of the not, a lot of the uh I think the only employee that was there at the time I sold the business that was there when you guys were there was Nancy. Wow. I I think she's the one the survivor. Okay. And I was joked with her and still to this day, I've never had a longer relationship with a woman. <laughs> I, i'm i'm acting like i know I don't, who is nancy i maybe i'm i might not have been there no yeah she was there she was there in 2001 nancy yeah oh she, you, she was there Tony? she worked for uh uh she was you didn't deal with her directly she worked in the sales department with under uh dave mm-hmm. when he uh, was there so that was like oh three oh two oh three so did Dave continue uh, yeah. running the sales department for quite a while after I left? He came no, in not long he, before I left. Yeah, he 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 actually ended up with a, his dream job, which was uh, uh, working for he loved to sail. He ended up working for a company that made parts oh. for sailboats. OK, on the East Coast. And he was you guys didn't see a lot of him because he was based mostly yep. in, in, out of based out of Boston. Yeah. Come in. But uh, uh, you guys remember Gina? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. She had ended up, ended up heading all of sales and marketing. Okay. And then uh, uh, she uh, left the company in '09, right after the market crash. And uh, we actually had to have uh, one of our only layoffs was at the end of '08, uh, beginning of '09, because. The business just kind of tanked for a few months 
<clears throat> and uh, uh, she left and went to work for a company up north, and she's still the chief operating officer. Okay. Do you okay. still talk to Tony? No. No? No, that we, we kind of had a falling out. Oh, okay. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But that, and so, you know, if, if people are looking at advice for their own business, I'll tell you, don't hire family or friends. Well, yeah. Like, you can become friends later. Yeah. But the problem is that, for sure. that, that people have to be hireable and they have to be fireable. I think the only one that I had that was a nice, clean one was, was one of my cousins came to work for me, but she told me up front, I'm hireable and I'm fireable. And I finally told her to, she wanted to be a comedian. Hmm. And uh, she was working for me and, and she, after about two years, she was struggling and I could see it. And I just go, why don't you just go live your dream? Yeah. And be a comedian. And so she's done it. She goes out and does her thing. That's and, so cool. And, uh, Did she work there when I was there, Tim? Was that, um, man, I can't remember her name, but uh, we had two uh, women that worked near the front door and they had little cubicles over there. And maybe it was your niece. I want to say maybe it was a niece. It was somehow related to you. Uh, I she... don't, I don't remember what year it might've been. It might've been her name's Erica. Does that sound familiar? No, no, no. no. I, I, she came, she okay. came later. She's still doing the comedy. She, well, she had to have come later because you left in 04 and I got divorced in 05 and got remarried in 07. And it happened after that because it was oh, okay. my uh, wife's cousin. Ah, gotcha. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, hiring friends and family. If, if you gotta let them go, you gotta let them go. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's hard. That's tough. Right? And, uh, uh, I, you know, some friendships got ruined that way. And I had some family issues as well because of it. So well, that's, that's a tough, uh, but I think common pitfall, um, you know, cause, cause you're like, you're, you're a guy with a lot of heart. So you want to bring people into what you're doing and they get involved and it's like, Hey, this would be great. Come and I'm doing this great thing. Come do it with me. And then, yeah, when things go bad, then, then, uh, or like you said, maybe someone's not, not doing what they should be doing or take advantage of whatever. And then it becomes a tough thing to separate from them or it creates, um, rifts and friendships or family relationships. And yeah, that's tough. And there's a sense of entitlement that sure. not that they're they're entitled, they feel entitled. It's that they don't think that they're fireable right. necessarily. Right. When you're looking at it's like going, I want to can you so bad. <laughs> but uh uh God forbid anyone can hear me now. No, but I mean I think anyone can it, appreciate that's it, a tough it's, situation it's to truth, be in. Though yeah. there are times I come home and I would vent and and my wife would tell me uh it's like going well you're just gonna have to let me go i said i can't yeah (laughs) and uh uh you know then the company grows to a point that what i what i did about five years before i uh sold the company was i changed the structure of the organization from being a typical pyramid with me at the top Mm -hmm. and then two people underneath me running everything else well, those two people running underneath me got a bit of, they got maybe a little power hungry, mm. and uh, uh, and that happens, right? Especially in a yeah. small organization. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I did was I ended up zip tying the organization and having a leadership team of seven individuals that were all equally ranked. 
and they all had equal authority and they all had, but at the end of the day, I was the still the chief up on top, but I basically ran the company for about, and you know, the, the administration of it, five to six hours a day, a, a week. That's yeah. all it took. Wow. After you changed that, you, that's what after I changed that, I had a, a, yeah. a great CEO coach wrote a, uh, a great book and I'll mention the book form. It's called organizational physics. And what it does, it describes the, the chaos and entropy that can happen naturally will happen inside your organization. And uh, uh, it basically describes how you have to uh, uh, create accountability, create responsibility, but create structures that are that you have the right people in the right jobs. You have the right people actually doing sales and you have the right people doing administrative work. Right. And you, you, you structure your organization in such a way that some people are closer to the customer, some people are further from the customer. And uh, it was really eye-opening. A lot of people had their feelings hurt when it happened. Sure. A lot of, pe- a lot of people adapted just fine, uh-huh. did just great. The people that didn't adapt didn't stay. Sure. That's all there was to that. And, and, so, that, was, and that was, uh, or part of that, plan or change was the switching over to a coaching instead of yeah. a review kind of a process. Yeah. And like you said, even yeah. that one guy who was definitely not performing well in the role he was in, and then you find a different role that matches him yeah. much better than, than they're yeah. thriving. And that's, and that's, that's a great thing. That's yeah. really good management. And I find that, um, it's a sign of a great manager, someone who really cares not only about his business, but also his employees to really go through that effort of improvement instead of just going like, Hey, uh, everybody just do their job. Uh, don't come to me with, with uh any problems like let's all just do this here's the expectations you know what i mean Derek like, will tell you that <laughs> he would come into my office and oh, i got a problem and what would i say um, don't show me a problem show me a solution yes that was invaluable that yeah. i still carry to this day yeah and that's that, that's yeah. the other thing that it, it's because at the end of the day everyone can have a problem sure Okay. And you know what? Your solution doesn't have to be the right solution, but as long as it's a solution. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that was my mantra. But when, when people would come to me at the problems, they go, great. What's I get, I get it. I hear you, but I don't pay you for problems. I pay you for solutions. <laughs> right. That was hard so, to hear that. That actually hurt. I, I mean, at first I was like, what? I can't just complain about, the problem i need to have a solution (laughs) and uh it was kind of an ego blow i think at first when i heard that i was like oh oh no that damn thing again that damn thing that but um but i live by that now like i anybody anytime i see somebody complaining i'm like you know this is not productive you need to focus on the solution and uh yeah it's just one of those those switches that you can you make in your head that kind of changes your life once you start looking at things that way yeah the other thing i tried to to instill in you guys was that yeah always lead lead from the front don't push from the back and i was never and all the way until i'd sold the company my i would i would never ever 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 ask an employee to do anything that i was unwilling to do myself i may not have been able to do it but I would be willing to do it. And uh, uh, I mean, there were times, Derek, you know, that I just stepped in and just did it. Yeah. And it wasn't because I didn't trust your ability or anything like that. When I came in, 
<laughs> you were so mad at me though. When we can, I, he comes in after a weekend and I completely report, rewrote the support system. Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I had big plans. It was going to take me six months. I was like, I had it all planned out. And then he just I did just, it. It's going to be done in a weekend. And he did it. He did it. That's yeah. <laughs> it was cool though, man. That I'll tell you what, that was, that support system was really damn cool. Yeah, it, for it, the it, time, it, obviously. A little but, ahead of its time, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Was that that's was. the queue where someone like submitted a ticket and then the way the tickets were addressed? Yeah, and it just used the mail system to to okay. to, to handle it and use we, we were recognizing that that what we wanted to do is a get people off the telephone because mm-hmm. it was a very time consuming thing, but we wanted to make sure that the that the email thread was tracked appropriately. Right. The, the technologies that are available today weren't available back then, so we kind of sure. had to play tricks with the mail system and make it work. And uh, we had to make sure that 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 attachments got in because that's when you we, we started putting you wrote the uh, support log file stuff back then remember the the app that you guys would send out they'd have to attach oh, yeah. a log file uh-huh yeah that thing grew as far as i knew they still had one that really? was oh. based off of that yeah oh that's awesome so uh uh you know they, they would just run this thing it would tell us what was wrong with their system versus us sitting on the telephone and when I say us, I'm at Derek and his crew. Yeah. Well, the thing, the <laughs> if, thing I if actually, I got on the phone, there was a problem. <laughs> oh yeah. There well, was the a thing, problem. The thing that I was the most proud of really was, and it wasn't even mostly a piece of code. It was just identifying the issue at the time they, they create the ticket. It was like, is this a new problem or an existing problem? Has, has this tool ever run for you or never run for you? Yeah. And it was just a few questions that like, uh, you know, once that came in, like we were just nailing them. I remember it was like the issues were right in front of us so many times. You even coached the sales team to ask some of those kind of preliminary questions because yes. we got called. We were the relationship. So we got called a lot of times when there was a problem. Yeah. And initially we'd just be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a problem. You should submit a ticket. And then eventually support was like, hey, 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 let's coach you guys up a little bit. Uh, well, yeah. then I made you guys remember I I did the, uh, everybody do somebody else's job for a day. Uh huh. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, I, people come back to me, go, I never knew how to send a FedEx package. Now I do. Yep. <laughs> or they would come and they'd be sitting in sales and go, I didn't know customers had to ask these questions. And, yeah. You know, when they, when they were looking for the, the, uh, the solution. The other thing that I, I liked doing was taking you, you, the, you technical guys to uh, trade shows. Yeah. And uh, rather than just having the sales guys out there, I, I, Derek, you went to quite a few of them. We, uh-huh. Yeah. Probably too many Vegas stories that we even want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work a couple with Derek. I remember going out with Derek Andelin with Nacha on on one, yeah. and I remember I really learned how to do trade shows. This was my first job that ever included trade shows. I absolutely loved trade shows because I love to travel and I love talking. I'm just a talker, so I love meeting people. And what a better opportunity than a trade show to travel around, see great cities, and talk to a, hundreds of people in a day. Uh, one after another. And I learned how to do trade shows from you, Tim, no doubt, because you were, like you said, you lead from the front. There's nothing you weren't willing to do. And you weren't the kind of guy who sent a couple sales guys to a trade show and just expected us to work the whole thing the whole time. You were there grinding it out the entire time, talking to everybody, selling, answering detailed questions, gathering leads. You were scanning badges just as much, if not more than any of us. Um, And that was impressive to 
to me seeing you um, demonstrate how to do it instead of just tell us, all right, go, go, go handle it. Um, I mean, I just send you to the middle of Alabama in the summer. By yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember those. Georgia, actually, <laughs> sent me to Atlanta. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you guys remember the Comdex trade show we did when we were, uh, we had Primo PDF? Yeah. The, the free yeah. writer, still the number one free PDF writer in the world. Wow. Wow. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I, I sold that years ago. Yeah. Uh, and we hired the, the girl, the, the young lady that used to work for us. And we brought her back and put her in the Britney Spears outfit. Do you, do you remember that? I do. And we had, we were given a trip to the Pro Bowl. Oh, wait. Do you know how much trouble I got in for that? Really? Because we had the magician there too. Remember uh-huh. Mike? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. And we we had a line out the door of people for this thing. And I had a woman come up to me because we were in the in the Microsoft area, and this this uh, person from Microsoft came up to me. She goes, "You need to get rid of the Britney and the magician." <laughs> and I said, "Well, why? I mean, yeah. we're getting tons of leads." And she told me that Bill was going to be walking through there in about 20 minutes. Oh, shit, really? Oh, wow. oh, my God. Oh, wow. I think we got about 10,000 leads on that Primo PDF stuff. Oh, and, and, yeah, and then come Monday, Eric and I sit down to start calling on leads, and we go, what in the hell? <laughs> no one's even interested in PDF software. They uh, they just yeah, wanted it, to talk was, to Brittany. I mean, but I mean, but those were the days. Yeah. Right? Th- those were the trade show days. I mean, granted, I guess the CES – is a, a lot like that sure but uh, uh it wasn't like geek to geek you know the, which comdex was yeah. and you know and i don't mean to sound misogynistic or anything but booth babes sure yeah trade I mean, show they, girls they would hire local those, yeah. exotic dancers yeah that yeah. If, if you walked up and talked to them i just remember this that they would just as, as soon as you express any interest, a, a sales rep would yeah. come like right in your face. <laughs> exactly. the young lady would, would walk away. Excuse and, me, Brittany. Yeah. I'll take it from here. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it was it was a different uh-huh. environment, and it was the. Uh, uh, I remember that that all came crashing down like in two thousand after the dot com bust mm. uh, in two thousand one two thousand two. That I think our last Comdex was in 2003. Mm. It was poorly attended. I mean, they're starting to tick up now. That people they're starting to see trade shows again, huh. which is nice. And there was there was one thing I, I just loved about that, and that was meeting people face to face. Yeah, right. And that's one of the reasons I brought that I wanted the tech people there. I wanted you there, Derek. Was I wanted you to meet your customers? Yeah. Okay, and and find out really what they're doing, and 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 just. You know, we we because we we get a lot of customer actual customers coming through. It's like, hey, want to tell you this was working great, and or Derek, they probably they would say something to you. Go, hey, you know what? Now you can put a face to the name. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, it, it was. And plus, you know, they were just fun. They were just fun. <laughs> Derek and I worked one together in Orlando, and <laughs> we were able to go spend a little time at um, Epcot Center afterwards so we went around and did the the taste of the world where you go around that big big lake or whatever and you drink beer and eat food in every country and man halfway around the world we were just hammered and uh i think germany did us in right derek that's some heavy duty beer 
Yeah. Uh, we went, yeah, we had every beer. That was a tough, oh, yeah. uh, we did the one. pub crawl at, at, uh, it was the adults only part of Disneyland that, that, that they don't have it anymore. That's, uh, I mean, I, I think it's still there, but, uh, what was that called? It was right. Is Disney world is right across from the Hilton where they would have all the shows. You literally would cross the street and it was 21 and over. Like, you and I went there because we were at the improv. Yeah. Remember? Yep. And the, the, the guy comes out and says, give me a, a object. Give me this. And you know, give me a job description. And Mike yells out, hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and oh they, had the, they had the telephones. Yeah. And then they would call up and they would get suggestions from people off the telephone. Yep. And so oh my that gosh. place it was like an adult disneyland and so we did the pub crawl there remember yep and yep. we would go to each each and every place in there and yeah, by the end of that we're crawling back to the room oh so, my gosh yeah. so many remember? fun trips to so many fun cities like san francisco we had a lot of fun there oh, yeah. you took me to some and i wish i remembered the names but there was a place you in san francisco we were staying we were i was just there and uh we walked right by that restaurant it's gone now the french one yeah the french one where uh, we saw bill cosby standing outside yeah looking up at the sign we're both looking at each other going i think that's bill cosby that's bill cosby yeah I, this was pre all his problem days yeah but uh 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 yeah we we would go down that little uh that little irish bar the irish bank is still there the irish bank that's that's yeah that was such a cool the little irish, irish bar right down the street from where we were staying and uh uh, yeah, no, Chinatown. We, yeah. We, we go there. I remember you and, took me to a really great Chinese. Well, you took me to a lot of great restaurants. And I, I, I remember trying to order something ridiculous. Like, I, I, I didn't know how to, to order food. <laughs> and I, I was a kid still, man. So I was still eating, like, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> I still ate, like, a like a fifth, fifth grader or something. And, uh... I don't remember when or what restaurant it was, but you basically just gave me the ultimatum of like, look, um, I will continue taking you to great restaurants, but you have to let me order for you because uh, <laughs> you can't go on ordering like pizza at a great Chinese restaurant or asking the French restaurant if they have hamburgers or whatever. Yeah, that Chinese restaurant is still there. It's just we is walked that? by it the other day, but that 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 little French restaurant is gone. That was amazing. Oh, and that yeah. was the one where that may have been the first time I agreed to let you order for me, or it was certainly the oh, most. I made you eat snails. Yeah. You made me eat escargot. And I remember <laughs> thinking just like, I don't think I can do this. Like, this is way out of my comfort zone. And uh, you were just like, no, no, you, you're, you're ordering this. You're eating authentic French food. Um, I remember we had French onion soup. That was incredible. And yeah. then you ordered escargot, and I was like, eee, oh no. And I tried it, and it was amazing. And I had, like, the best meal ever. And yeah. you, I swear, opened me up to food. And most people who know me now think of me as the as the uh, fancy pants. food connoisseur who knows all these types of food. And I'm urging people to eat escargot. My wife and I, our favorite restaurant where we live now, near um, Mission Inn in downtown Riverside, uh, is a little French restaurant called Le Chat Noir. And they're a very yeah. small, family-owned, authentic French restaurant. They sell escargot. They sold yeah. foie gras yeah. while you were allowed yeah. to serve it in California. And uh, now I'm the guy. Everyone we take there, I'm like, oh, we're ordering escargot. Oh, no, no, I don't want to try that. No, you have to. That's It's, it's a requirement. And, uh, yeah, no, you, you, you made me into that. You took me from peanut butter and jelly to fine cuisine all over the 
all over the country. I appreciate that. Well, you're you're welcome. At least you didn't put on the pounds like I did from it. <laughs> I did for a while. I actually, I had to, I lost a lot of weight a couple of years ago. I got pretty heavy, and then I started doing a keto diet for like ten months. So I lost like fifty some pounds. Wow, uh, I got pretty heavy there for a while. I I had in you know, and that that's another pitfall, right? When you're running a business, you're so busy doing things, sure. you care of yourself. And I remember in two thousand and I guess it was about. Uh, yeah, it'd be about oh five. Uh, that I lost about forty pounds. Wow! I had to, I, I was I was big, and it was just I mean I, I was sitting there eating ice cream, ice cream or something, and Tony and Tony Horton or whatever his name, the beach body thing, come on, I got I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like um, okay. And, and I remember that we did that and I went to, to Gina's wedding in Ireland and I had seen, I'd been there already once and I had met her family, came back and they all went, oh my God, Tim, you shrunk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you need to eat your skin and bones. Yeah, exactly. He's going, no, no, that, that's, oh. that's, that's fine. But now I've got the, the, the retirement comfort, comfort belt on. So it's a nice place to be. Yeah. yeah. I got one, two extra, a little extra loop in there. Um, unfortunately, uh, but you do play golf. It's not like you don't get out. You you play a lot of golf. Yeah. Yeah. I try to play twice a week. And I mean, that was fun. One, one thing I, I, uh, uh, that I'm probably going to miss a lot is that we used to sponsor two professional golfers Oh yeah, and, uh, uh, one on the regular tour, one on the, on the uh, senior tour. And, uh, we got to go to a lot, lot of events. Went to Wales, the U.S. Senior Open, wow. British Senior Open. Went uh, went to one year to the Masters uh, tournament, and uh, uh, we went. To, we've been to the U.S. Open. We got to do a lot of things. Got to play golf at a lot of great places. Now I have to pay for those things. So I don't, I don't remember get, you. I didn't get to go on invitations only anymore. I don't remember right. you being a golfer when I worked for you, or at least super into no, it. When when did that start? That actually, I I mean, I played. I started really getting into it after I got divorced. Okay, and uh, because I needed some sort of activity. Sure, I was at work. And then everyone called me a workaholic, but I, I was, I was at work so much that I just had to get out and do something else. Yeah. And, uh, I guess about, I started really started playing oh five oh six oh seven. I really started playing in then, uh, oh eight oh nine. I, I started, we, we moved to a place where there's a golf course in in corona the over the retreat where the retreat used to be oh yeah okay yeah the, the, the golf course is closed but you know so there was a golf course right there so i could go play two to three days a week and not that i've gotten really good but uh uh you know i it, it is something for me i go out and try to play two to three days a week and, yeah. and get out and, and get some fresh air and and uh walk a little bit so i just gotta race the cart girl because otherwise she gets a hold of me that's not a good day <laughs> uh, i'd love I'll be, to get out I'll with be you playing great thinking you know what i could just use a little sexual swing lube and then everything goes sideways oh yeah yeah <laughs> at the back nine the back nine is way different than when you do yeah, that yeah. um do you are you hit in the 80s 
Yeah, it hit in the mid eighties. Oh, so my, oh, wow. my index is about twelve five. So it's pretty damn uh, good. Yeah, eh, it's okay. You, I mean, since retirement, I dropped it down four points. Right. So that's good. that's good. If I can get it below ten, that would be nice. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that that I do get to play Pebble Beach every year. Uh, I'm on the uh, committee for the Discovery Science Center. They're uh, uh, they have a big uh, they have a chair uh, invite only uh, charity event that raises about a million dollars for the cube hmm. over a weekend. So I help out with that, and uh, uh, so we get to play Pebble and Spyglass. And this year we're playing uh, Clint Eastwood's course wow. up there. That'll be interesting. Wow, oh, cool. So, you know, it is, like I said, it's just, it's all for the experience now and just having a good time and, sure. and making some great relationships. I've got amazing stories I really can't probably tell in public. So, <laughs> oh. well, I, I, I saw you on Twitter posting a picture of you hitting balls off like the upper deck of a stadium. Was that Angel Stadium? Yeah. 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 They, that's, they did that at uh, about eight or nine stadiums in the United States that <laughs> Pretty cool. uh, I get invited to, to, to go do this. And, and you're hitting the, the golf ball. Go, that's not 130. It looks like it's 180 yards, Yeah, but it's downhill. Sure. And so uh, that was fun. I bet. You know, yeah. It was a fun experience. Sure. You know, and, and I, uh, I don't know if I do it again there, if they offered it, maybe at Dodger stadium or something or okay. down back. Oh, maybe I do it down there. That's well, what about neat. Top Golf? Have you been to a Top Golf? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Top Golf's great. That's just, yeah, man. I mean, talk great. about bread and butter. It's like beer, food, yeah. and golf. Like right it's there. like video I games guess, meet golf. I get, yeah. yeah. I get my wife yeah. to play there. Sometimes it hit a golf ball, but uh, uh, it, it was actually kind of funny. Last time we played in the Top Golf, it was, I think, in Orlando. And we were all drinking, and I'm hitting the just swacking at the ball and my uh, uh my wife posted, posted something oh my god it's so hot I'm like, whatever it was funny her her daughter captured that and posted that in hers and said relationship goals <laughs> 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 she meant orlando but still it's nice yeah, yeah, yeah. no 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 it, it was fun it oh was, that's cool yeah, it, it's oh yeah my form was horrible but oh man and again i'm looking at the videos like a I'm not gonna post that. It's pretty ugly. So <laughs> I took. I ended up taking some lessons, some golf lessons Did for you? a little while there. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I just needed something to do a little bit more, and uh, yeah, um, you know, it, it resets your game, obviously. So oh, yeah. it yeah. really messes you up for a little while there. But uh, overall, like I, I can. Uh, if I can connect on a on a with a driver, I can hit that thing. Uh, I've hit the the back. Um, fence in uh top golf before um a little bragging right there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. I, I never knew i could do it but it's i never it's had a good fun. drive i can't drive very well or straight or consistently but i've got a good short game i'm good at irons and putting and all that kind of stuff so i'm good on like a pitch and putt course but i'm not good at driving and even sometimes on like on like a dog leg hole i might just tee off with like a like a four iron or something just because dude, i'm gonna shank it into the neighborhood over there or something you know well you know there's some uh, uh philosophies out there of of you should go out and every once in a while put your driver hybrid everything away yeah just play with your play a regular course with your irons 
yeah, you're going to shoot higher, but what you're going to find is that you're going to try to put yourself in a better scoring position. Mm. And so, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, if I can go through a round without losing a golf ball, that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I need or to just, get back just out hitting and it, it within the fairway. Anywhere in the fairway is great. I, I mean, it's been a couple years yeah. for me. I haven't golfed at all through the whole like COVID time. And then I had kids, dude. I had kids like right before COVID broke out. We had our first son about a year before COVID started. And then our second son, right in the middle of COVID. So coupled with babies at home and the COVID stuff and work was all weird, I haven't played in, God, I think it's like three years now maybe even longer. Um, but I need to get back out and play a little bit, practice a little bit. Maybe I need lessons driving. I've never had a lesson. Well, that's one thing COVID has done for the golf industry. It's just blowing it out. Sure. Of, it's crazy now trying yeah. to get tee times and, oh, really? and, and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and it, it's people just were going so stir crazy that the only thing that they could do was play golf. Sure. Uh, they, a lot of the places that were really locked down, like LA County, that's the only thing you could go out and do was play golf. Right. I remember that the when they opened up Orange County enough to play to play golf, I called that day and they got a tee time the next morning. Wow. So I hadn't been out to play in well in months. And so I just go a little antsy for it. So yeah. uh it, it's one of those things where you, you can play just horribly and you just have one good shot and you just sucked right back into it. <laughs> <laughs> a good friend of mine, Derek, you know, Rick, Rick's, uh, fa- his favorite saying is, um, golf and sex are the only two things in life you don't need to be good at to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Rick's quite the jokester. Yeah. Well, I've been fortunate enough to play with some, uh, some of the top names in, in golf and have them all make fun of me. So... <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, they, they all make, I remember I had this, this one pro that, uh, uh, was playing with the senior tour. We were on the, on the 18th tee or we playing at, at, uh, the Newport beach country club. And he goes, Tim, I want you to line up this way. Do this, do this, do this. Now let it rip. And I did and that ball went 90 degrees sideways. <laughs> He's leaning on the ground laughing. And I looked at him going, Gee, Dick, you screwed me all up. You twisted my hips all weird. I'm all uncomfortable here. What do you expect? That's always the worst thing when you're uh, while you're playing a game. uh, Somebody's giving you lessons because it's like, yeah, twist your toe like this. uh, You know what? Though sometimes it helps when you see someone. So I rarely do it, but when I see someone like just beef and chip shots, yeah, yeah, I'm not a pro by any means. I just literally go, have you tried doing that with your driver with a set of chipping just putt with your driver? They go, what? They go, here, watch. They putt it and it goes up right by the hole. And they're like, you do that. And they go, because I suck at chipping. (laughs) (laughs) I think of alternative ways to get the ball close to the the, the hole. So, uh, uh, but a lot of times you'll, you'll sit there and you'll just see just something that they do over and over again. You go, hey, you know, it's not my place, but if you thought about just not, looking behind you when you swing right <laughs> <laughs> don't try to kill the ball every single time just try to hit the ball and, uh, yeah it, it's it's but then someone will make a comment about my swing and it, it like the other day i was playing and and i was actually hit, hitting the ball okay i only drive it about 240 to 
you know, two thirty between two thirty two fifty, and wow, uh, that's far. Uh, and but I was driving it really well, and uh, the guy said, he goes, I noticed that when you are driving it really well, you're like really kind of opening your hips up. And I just said, I'm 59, I'm going to be 59 years old. You know how hard it is for me to turn my hips, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and that's the thing too, is as you get older, that it's, you lose the flexibility. Sure. So when you're playing with some of these senior guys that are in their sixties, look at Bernard Langer, he's still winning tournaments, still crushing it. And the guy's a machine. Apparently the crown, I've never, I met Bernard a couple of times just briefly, but uh, uh, somebody told me they call him the Germinator. Huh. He's just a machine. Wow. Out there, the way he goes plays. And, uh, uh, but they're, they're those guys that they all talk about just flexibility. That's what they work on. Yeah. Like Man. physical flexibility or? Well, uh, yeah, dude. Just, I mean, have you ever have like when you play golf after a long, long, long break, you get really sore Um, even if you can finish the 18 holes and, and I mean, you get to a point where it's even tough to swing the club anymore, which is weird because it's such a light club. You think like, Oh, no problem at all. You know, I can go out there and just crank these all day and you can't, you know, you wear out pretty quickly. Yeah. The first few balls go off, you know, 45 degrees to the right. Yeah. You can't turn through the club and, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, if I have taken, you know, because I'm I'm older. If I've taken even two weeks off, mm-hmm. it takes like six, seven holes for me to start okay. where I can actually get the ball through. So I yeah. was actually thinking about starting going to one of those stretch lab places. Yeah, we have one right down the street from us, and, and even like uh, yoga or something, right? Just to keep flexibility or that sort of thing. Or yeah, I don't want to see me in a yoga outfit. <laughs> it's not pretty. They have yoga. They have yoga so for golfers. Yoga. I should do a hot yoga. I go. Can yeah. you imagine my sweaty butt <laughs> <laughs> in some poor person's face, right in the row behind you. You know, they're going to be calling nine one one. Oh man, <laughs> we got another dead one up here. <laughs> well, they do have yoga for golfers because my wife started teaching that. Oh, she She's, did. Oh, yeah. 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 I, but yoga. I've had several instructors tell me yoga is the best thing for golf. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, uh, because it does, you know, stretch out all the muscles and works on all the muscle groups. And, and uh, <clears throat> I found that, that when I'm nice and loose, it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't require as much effort for the ball to go further. Right. So it's yeah, just easier yeah. swing. Well, a couple, cop- the- a couple of cocktails can help kind of uh, loosen up the old, you know, play golf. Come on, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> no, so no, no, Mr. Sullivan, the usual. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, is your drink still seven and seven? That was your drink back in the day. No, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a captain and diet guy. These oh, days. All right. I feel that, I feel that rum actually uh, doesn't give me the hangovers that, that whiskey does okay. although i love scotch i love cigars yeah so i have to like day drink those I yeah do those in the evening the next day i, I don't recover quite like i used to like oh oh no I, I i can relate uh because i used to be able to drink pretty hard wake up just fine the next day and and i'm already at a point now where just a couple of beers with a neighbor or something and uh then i wake up the next day i'm like oh man <laughs> oh yeah it's sad oh how how far the mighty have fallen 
<laughs> I, I still order a seven and seven sometimes if I'm at like normally I'm just a beer guy and and yeah. even more lately I'm like a low carb light like Michelob Ultra kind of guy and uh, if I'm at a wedding or something where I want to like appear a little more cooler than than a Michelob Ultra guy I'll order a seven and seven and that's that's a remnant from my days with you Tim I'll still I'll still order right. that and I feel like that's a cool drink. <laughs> uh, last night I had uh, uh, I made these things called the Tipsy Irishman. Ah. something like that I, I don't know it had jameson and peach schnapps and oh, pineapple man. and I, it's i drank like two or three of them and they were great yeah and uh my wife after like she had a one and i made it like a taller one and said that way it just lasts longer yeah, sure and she's like yeah she's like this is giving me an upset stomach <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry so i had a couple three guinness yesterday so that's it's the only time I actually drink that. Although when, uh, when uh, there was one thing with with Gina, she could find an Irish pub everywhere, uh, no matter where we were. Right, her being from yeah. Ireland, we yeah. in York or or Amsterdam, it didn't matter where, and she could find an Irish pub, and that's where I found that I I really like Guinness, but I can only drink like two or three of them. They're and, very filling. Yeah, I think the first Guinness I ever had was with you at that um irish pub in in san francisco yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i think i think that was the first guinness i ever had and i really like it but yeah it's i mean it's like a meal in a glass so yeah a couple of those and <laughs> well, they now have them where they're like nitrogen infused well so i had what, one of i had like two or three of those last night they were great and they weren't they didn't feel as heavy oh well, i had the same they do thing something... was it the can they do something special, right? They put that little like nitrogen ball inside cans when you buy cans of Guinness. That's what you hear it rattling around, right? Like spray paint. Uh-huh. That's I, what I heard. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's something. I would swallow the ball, probably. So. <laughs> no, no. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's in the. I don't, yeah, I wonder how they do fasten it so you don't just chug it. You know, I don't know. No, yeah, I, I had uh, two of those yesterday as well, and mm-hmm. um, I poured them into a glass, and I'm thinking like, okay, it's going to overflow the glass if I go too quickly. It didn't. So there wasn't a whole lot of carbonation. And I think that's kind of what you're saying too, Tim. Um, And I got an eight pack because I uh, got some sausages. I got bratwurst and I, I cooked them. I cooked the bratwurst on the grill and then I uh, put them in the boiling uh, Guinness for 15 minutes. It was great. Oh yeah. Beer boiled brats. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, that it made, was like good. I said I made shepherd's pie last night from scratch. Wow. Yeah, no, that that's impressive. How, what is it? What is shepherd's? I mean, obviously, it sounds like there's flour in it. Shepherd's. This. I know it, what it is. It's basically it's ground beef with vegetables and uh, uh, onions and some garlic and and uh, some little bit of tomato paste in there. And uh, so you make all that first, and then uh, then you make mashed potatoes with cheese in them, like Parmesan cheese and some garlic in there. And then uh, you put that as a, as a layer on top of the, uh, uh, so you put, you, you put the meat mixture in first and layer on top and then you bake that for, for Yum. yeah, guess, that sounds about amazing. 30 minutes, if I remember right. And it came out wow. perfect. I, I was just like, patting myself on the back that was good i have found that i'd cook a lot more since i retired too sure. so are you involved you're not involved in the old company at all anymore no. are you involved in any no, sort I, of worky projecty anything other than hobbies and cooking and fun uh, i'm uh i am on the board of directors for uh 
Kyudu Shen, which is uh, uh, a nonprofit dedicated to finding a cure for Duchenne muscular I've dystrophy. I've never heard of that. Uh, yeah, Duchenne muscular dystrophy affects okay. mostly young men. I think it's just all young men, but I, I've heard that there are some breakout cases of, of young ladies, but it's, it's primarily young men to where they, they uh, uh, most young men don't live past the age ah. of 20. Wow. And uh, the people that started this are, are friends of my wife and I that we had met through. Uh, I actually, uh, my, the company used to sponsor the, okay. the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, I was looking for a nonprofit to work with. And uh, the, the Ryan Getzlaff, the center for the Ducks, is, is uh, his uh his charity is Cure Duchenne. And so I okay. kind of got hooked up through it that way, became friends with the founders oh. whose son has Duchenne. They became very close with, with their son. Their son is actually doing very wow. well. He's graduated from USC, is, uh, is a, uh, 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 a columnist. And uh, uh, he, he's, you know, it, 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 it's a struggle. And so their fight is to find a cure for him. And uh, they've actually done some amazing things with uh, it's called venture philanthropy. And basically it's, it's like a VC, but for, for uh, targeted for uh, uh, companies that are growing and are working with uh, like gene mm. therapy. Wow. And, it, and uh, uh, so they, they've got some, you know, promising drugs in the, in the pipeline and gotten some, uh, uh, some clinical trials and some stuff has been actually released and, but there's, there's multiple mutations and it, it's still a pretty rare thing, but, uh, uh it, it's really, it, it's a great cause. In fact, my wife and I are going out to Orlando Memorial day weekend to meet with a bunch of families. Wow. And, uh, it's, it's been the primary charity that, that we work with. That's really cool. So that's, I'm involved with that. I do the stuff with the, the cube and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll go up and I'm always getting my brain picked for ideas for people I used to do business with before. Sure. And, and uh, uh, there's always stuff percolating, but it, it's, that's, that's what I was going to ask. This dog don't hunt like he used to anymore. Oh. <laughs> for me to write code, I've written like one program in the last two years and it was to help catalog C++. stupid uh. movie collection <laughs> 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 it's basically as yeah, it's, it's i have a media center and it was basically to create so it's an online or it's a visual thing so people in the family could find their movies on that so so you mean like physical movies like dvds like a movie collection yeah i i burn everything i mean i have i i don't pirate anything i'm you guys know i'm hyper aware about ip protection yeah. uh uh so you know we'll buy the movie and i'll burn it and i put it onto this server i've got with like eight terabytes and uh but it, it it's all needs to be searchable so it's we got a little graphical interface wow. that i wrote and, and drives the data behind it so i might need to buy a copy of that because i was actually cleaning out our kids playroom closet a couple of weeks ago and in it was our dvd collection which i haven't touched in a really long time now because we subscribe to every streaming service there is and we hardly have any time to watch well, movies it, anyway i mean and that's the thing too is is it's 
again, you know, what, what's nice is is the problem with the, I think with a lot of streaming services, and I don't like 4K. This is just me because 4K looks like old soap operas. Yeah. Right. It's great for football. It's great for golf. It's great for, you know, where you want to feel like you're there, but it's not for me. It's not a cinematic experience. Okay. That's I why I, I like Blu-rays, nice 1080 I or 1080p. And, uh, uh, that's my preference. The, uh, and so what we do is we just burn them all down and, uh, yeah, I could stream everything, but this just, it feels kind of still, I want to watch this movie and I don't have to worry about what streaming service it's on. I think there's about 3000 movies in my movie collection. That that's a good point because I've run into that a million times where it's like, hey, what, let's watch this movie. Is it on Amazon? No. Oh, is it on Netflix? No. Oh, is it on Hulu? No. Oh, it's over it's here. On Peacock. Uh, you got to buy. Oh, Peacock. we bought it on YouTube five years ago. Which account was it under? Like, ah, oh, gosh. Yeah. No. So it, it's you know I've got the even the Marvel movies I don't like. I've got all the Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. uh uh, you know, and all the James Bond. Actually, I watched the rewatched the last James Bond movie the other night. And so, wow. uh, this new house that we that that I just moved into, they uh, it had a dedicated movie room already. So oh, I cool! Just put new new equipment in it, and uh, yeah, it's I would kind of live there if I could. Oh, but, wow. uh, so of course, amazing. you got to write a program to be able to like instantly search and call up any movie you want yeah. from your from your captain's chair in the movie theater. Pretty much, pretty cool yeah, place to be. Yeah, I mean, we still have streaming in there, and sure. and uh, I've threatened to put a PlayStation, but my wife's like, "Really? If I catch you in there playing that, I was like, all right." Uh, <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. I know. Um, my favorite game. It's, I'm I'm old time. I like Borderlands. Oh, yeah, for some like reason, I love that stupid. Uh-huh. Game. I've never played that game. I'm not. I've never been a big gamer though. What's that yeah, one? I'm, Is that like a war game, or what's that one like? Uh, no, that's like a future apocalyptic. Oh, okay. person shooting, game. but it's basically you got to solve this thing that it come back, solve this thing, that thing come back, and okay. I got kind of hooked on it when. Remember, they used to have Howie's Game Shacks. No, oh, <clears throat> there were these massive places that were that were that had like two or three hundred uh, PCs in them. Okay, that people would play gaming, ah, gaming, yeah, so right. And uh, I, so I would take my my boys to go there, and they would be playing, and they got me hooked on this Borderlands thing. Huh. And I remember I, those. I, those don't really exist anymore, huh? Those kind of like uh, yeah, businesses. Because everyone's got them at home. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. And, and that was before that again. The, so the uh, the kids that was like fourteen, fifteen years ago, and that was before you really had high speed any sort of high-speed bandwidth oh yeah that was still dial-up yeah and well they even dial it you could you could dedicate it but you're talking about cable modems that were under sure. 100 or 56k or mm-hmm. and, and they weren't uh actually speaking of 56k remember derek that was our our speed at the yeah, original office yeah. that the modem yeah <laughs> no it's amazing how much things have progressed yeah i mean it, it wasn't it, we until we moved to, when uh when uh uh, yeah, we had 56k there. It wasn't until we moved. Uh, uh, we got the DS3. Yeah, we got the DS3. Yeah, yeah. we didn't get like a, a megabit till we went to to Mission Viejo. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I don't know what that was called. The T1. Was it a T1? Yeah, T1. Yeah. 
It was three thousand bucks a month too. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. If we were running oh. the servers out of the server room, that's where our website ran, just like everybody. Uh, yeah. So we didn't have servers. We had towers. No, we didn't have those little rack servers. I didn't get those until like oh three or something like that. Okay. <laughs> I used to like that room because it was so cold. I'm always hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of like poke into that little server closet and just like, oh yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, we fire up the had the we had the big air conditioners in there. Yeah, okay. yeah. But actually, the last place we actually had to we built one, and we had to pay for a special air conditioner to be on the roof. Oh, ouch! That was our own, and then that we we had a separate bill from Edison for it and everything. Oh wow! And then everything went to the cloud. Yeah, yeah. And so we still had two or three servers running in there that were backups of everything. And for uh, 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 since virtual machines all got big, mm-hmm. right? So we had like one big server in there that ran like thirty virtual machines for uh, 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 for engineering. Then uh, and for QA, yeah, it, it's. But today, a lot of companies they're just. They're kind of hybrid, right? They want to keep some of their stuff private, but sure. eh, we'll still let you host it. And you know, just wait for the, that big data breach that screws everything up and changes it all over again. Uh, that's going to happen, isn't it? That's where I was. I wanted to ask you some of like your, uh, if you have any prescient, prescient thoughts on um, where the future of technology is going to go to. Because I mean, you've been you've been in web. I mean, you. Did the proof of concept for RP, RPC calls? Um, where do you see it all going? Where, um, yeah, where do you see it all going? Like I've it, seen history kind of repeat itself here, right? So the cloud is what we used to have in the eighties and 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 uh, uh, in the eighties we called it time sharing, right? <laughs> so you yeah. would have your machine or you would rent a machine and you would rent time on that machine these big massive ibm uh, 360 machines uh that's basically the cloud there's the same kind of concept but what i see is that there companies there's going to be some major data breach at some point in time where it's going to freak people out and they're going to want to bring stuff back in but what they're going to end up doing i think is rent rather than building their own data centers they're going to just rent space in a data center or you're going to see sub data centers i think that's going to happen at some time uh the the other reason that they would do that is uh to consolidate energy costs right so as we go to more green renewable energy that uh we're looking to 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 lessen the carbon footprint all that stuff this old dog still drives a a v8 so i'm the, the wrong person to talk to about green <laughs> energy uh but i get it i, I understand that and so that that's where i see the the uh the tech going though is i i see you're gonna end up with this this hybrid thing where companies are used to not having to pay for their own data centers they're used to kind of renting that out but what they want to be able to do is own it yeah and not uh, rent it. so they it may just become like office space right so you're going to rent it but the machines inside are yours huh. and you're paying for and it may be your employees that are guarding it and and working with it directly i see I, that yeah that happening versus just i'm just going to throw it out there and let i mean that'll 
that's nice for a smaller business, right? I can just throw it out in the cloud and let DigitalOcean or, or Azure or something like that. But uh, uh, we, we've seen some companies make major plays into the cloud and it hasn't kind of worked out the way they wanted it to because it, you still, yeah, I'm going to say money, I'm going to, on, on infrastructure, on support and all these things, but you're, you're going to give something up with that. And, and that, that thing you're going to give up is control. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I work for a company. Um, we're, it's pretty successful. I'm, I'm kind of close to the CTO. That was one thing that I told him too, because we're mostly on-prem and more and more, uh, things are kind of going to the cloud. Well, you know, ultimately to render a page, um, if we have to go to the cloud to render a page now, like now we've just added another point of failure and now we're tightly coupled to that cloud piece too, you know? So having that, uh, on-prem mostly, I think can actually be a little bit of a strategic advantage potentially in the future with the way things are going. Cause you're seeing more like DNS attacks going on. You're seeing just more, more things hit the cloud and like, um, being tightly coupled to some of these companies who can on a whim shut you off if they want to, um, I mean, not that they really do that on a whim right now, but you know, they can, if sure. they want to, uh, if they want to negotiate something from you, uh, it's just, uh, I think I, I kind of was thinking that too, like more, I, I uh, just, again, it, it's these things, cycles tend to repeat themselves and, but it, yeah. it may not be the, the, have the same face and same name or anything like that, but on prem may just be rented space but it's your tech and as bandwidth increases the, the 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 rendering issues that you're talking about i think that that changes it's it's the the reliance on somebody else's tech yeah sure okay? and, and the you know and then there's also licensing issues and and all those and of course a lot of companies are, are trying to flip over to linux and uh because uh, it's free uh but if they're dependent upon microsoft technologies they're they're still having to pay uh licensing to them so i mean azure you can run linux out there they don't they don't care you don't have to pay for it's the same price to run linux as it is to run windows so yeah. you know we i know the one of the things that that we did was uh we actually flipped to completely vert. We got rid of all the desktop PCs for administrative and salespeople. And we would oh, yeah. these little tiny network boxes and we hosted all their, their stuff out in the cloud. And I, that stuff is, I think, okay, because they were mostly doing everything with browser-based uh, yeah. uh, other cloud things. They just needed the... the uh, the 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 PCs in the cloud for to run uh, office applications. Right, so, right. but we ran into the same thing. You're talking about the rendering, right? We just yeah. it was just horrendously slow with, with some. So we actually some people insisted on getting PCs, and we ended up bringing in kind of a hybrid thing. I just I wanted the data backed up in a central location, and I wanted it all off site. Yeah. So we kind of, we kind of moved to for for a lot of people just an, an offsite where where they would do their local editing, but they had to to do it on like a OneDrive type thing. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, I was the worst offender. 
I, I, I had more stuff on my computers. Than, <laughs> I had stuff when you guys were there. And I, I eventually had to get rid of it all. I mean, it, yeah. we, we, we put in a, a data retention policy and everyone's following it except the boss. <laughs> no, the boss has got to follow it. It was, it was a very, very painful experience when I just pressed delete. Oh. Oh yeah, I do the same. I I, I think I have no, every. No, no. We're talking about like a mail file from from there from like two thousand and two, two thousand three oh with mails oh, in it, yeah. and I, it was just we ran this stuff through it to make sure that there were no still contracts in it, uh-huh. and we actually found a couple of things, so it's a good thing that we had that. And uh, uh, but at the end of the day, I just had to kind of close my eyes, turn my head, and press delete, and wow. there, there can be no backup of it. Yeah. And, and the reason that you do that is called defensible deletion. So if you're ever sued by a, a company or a party to a suit, even though it's not directly related to you, and that information is subpoenaed, you can actually show them your data retention policy. And if you're actually following it, then they can't go beyond. Oh, okay. So that's why companies do it. And, and, uh, but it is the, propensity of normal small business owners to just hold on to everything sure yeah so uh yeah that, that was an ex- i remember that day was <laughs> delete. i said i'm going home i can't deal with this right now <laughs> Somebody else do it. Just tell me when it's it feels like you're throwing away 10 years of your life yeah. so i mean it wasn't like source code source code is is we would hold on to forever sure and because the reason you do that is if someone comes after you for like, let's say a patent issue, if you have the the, the source code that you wrote before that, you, you can prove something called prior art. Sure. That's a defense against a patent infringement case. Okay. So, wow. Uh, and the, stupid, I had to think about these things, right? Being the, the software company. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we had to get really back in two, about 2015, 2014. We, we did audits of everything, not only the books, but we did. Uh, uh, we brought in uh, companies, basically hackers, to try to infiltrate the system, but also for phishing attacks and all that. Oh wow! We, yeah, I got caught at least three times. Oh, so they got wow. you. They got so got good. You? I mean, the first few wow. times, oh, this is easy. They got me good on one. It, it was, and it just showed up and goes, you've been caught. And so I went, oh my Lord, are you kidding me? Wow. What does that and mean? It, like it it's an just, email that gets you to click a link or something? Yeah, I had just literally gone on, it was just purely coincidental. I had gone to a banking site. Yeah. And it was actually not, it, it was, it was one I, I helped from my mom who's in a home. So I was helping with her. And all of a sudden I get this email because I'm listed as the point of contact saying, you know, we've noticed activity on your account. Click here. And I go, well, okay, I'll do that. I, I just was on there. Yeah. And the problem is that I did on my phone versus always waiting until you're on your PC to do that stuff. Uh-huh. So we actually had to institute training, cybersecurity training to all the employees. Wow, and it was actually ongoing constantly, and it was part of our data protection plan. Wow. So, uh, uh, so and that's when companies are you don't think about an exit when you're first starting your business. I just think about can I feed my family? Sure. And uh, 
So you let all this stuff accumulate until it either blows up in your face or you deal with it at some point in time. Yeah. It was about midway through the company. I I think it was 2012. I finally got serious about all this stuff. Everything from the the coaching. What am I going to do to eventually exit? I'm I'm not going to do this forever. So So uh, prompted that like shift in in focus was it i want to sell the company and i want to start preparing it for that or i want to spend less of my hours here and i want to or 2012 yeah i was heading to my 50th birthday okay and i knew i i i was i knew i was successful i knew the, the company was doing well and i want to know can can i scale this a little bit more Okay, because I could also see the writing on the wall when it came to the technology that there was a uh, either there's going to be a big consolidation of the technology through through uh, mergers and acquisitions or uh, because there was so much fragmentation in the space, meaning back in the day when when we were it. Right. It was us, Adobe and like two or three other people. Okay. 2012, I had 25, 30 competitors. Wow. Right. I mean, five or six were big ones that we had to deal with. But uh, I know I knew all the smaller competitors as friends with all the CEOs of them because we were all, there's a lot of co opetition mm-hmm. going on in that day. But it, it, we were just competing against these little tiny companies who were just nibbling away at it. So I said, all right, how can I scale the company? But more importantly, how can I? not be worried about what's going to happen to the company. If something happens to me, sure. You now Tim gets hit by a bus. What, you know, Oh my God, only Tim knows about this. So there was a lot of knowledge transfer that went on. Uh, I finally had to give up taking over writing code for toolkit. I was very painful, painful, painful experience <laughs> for me. I tried it yeah. once and it failed and I took it back. And I finally hired this extremely smart gentleman to, to, take it over and i just told him i said to you i have only one thing you can't laugh at my code because <laughs> you do you get fired <laughs> so uh uh so it was that and the honestly the deal with lawsuits right we i had a i had a a, a claim come against me in the end of, in 2013 and uh i was already prepping to do uh uh financial audits of the books and you know the things discrepancies were found and things that, that weren't right but uh i wanted to keep doing this because i knew that eventually when i wanted to sell the business i wanted it to be just a clean process right and as far as identifying when that would happen i i didn't know that but i knew that i knew needed to do all these things that way i could just hire one person to just take care of all that part of the business and i ended up doing that she was brilliant and and just i didn't have to worry about hr we hired hr consultants uh one of the things that i had to uh do was uh and this is this is a problem to a lot of small businesses if you don't bring in the right people is people that that are around money that that it's not that they're they're bad they're evil nothing like that they just get kind of weird about things sure right and it's kind of a, it can be kind of for some people it can be kind of power trip type so i ended up hiring a, a part-time cfo that was not an employee of the company and okay 
And so he only had my best interests at heart. Sure. Yeah. They worked directly for me and, but he was an employee. So he didn't care. He had no skin in the game. So he goes, well, you know, if you don't pay me, I'll just go work for someone else. Right. So, uh, uh, and there was CPA. So, uh, uh, that when I started doing the audits and all that, we, 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 when we went through and did all those things, the company came out stronger. Right. And sure. it came out more solid and it came out where I had confidence in, in numbers and in predictions and those types of things. And, you know, we started getting the nibbles in, uh, I'd say 2017. Okay. So getting nibbles around the corner and, and the M and a market got kind of hot in, in 1819. And, uh, I ended up selling in the middle of the pandemic. Wow. So I was running the, as we talked about before my, when I zip tied the organization, it only took four to five hours a week to, to run it. I, I realized that basically I was in everybody's face for 36 hours a week <laughs> where I was playing golf and uh, I was kind of bored during the pandemic. So I'd run the company via zoom. Yeah. Or I didn't need to talk to anybody, do, go to any meetings. Sure. <clears throat> Pardon me. Nothing like that. So uh, I remember telling my wife, go, I got kind of nothing to do. Watching movies, cooking. It's like kind of retired already. Yeah. Might as well get paid for it. And then we saw kind of the writing on the wall when it, uh, uh, that, that there would be a, a change of administration and odds are a change to the tax laws. And uh, so we decided to take advantage of all that. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah it, it's sometimes the timing wow works out the way that it works out and you know the company acquired us they're they're a great outfit uh, uh that the, they, they've treated my employees very well and uh i think some of the engineering folks have left uh and they were kind of the later hires that that were not the core technology. They were kind of newer stuff we were doing. Okay. And, uh, uh, but pretty much everyone else is there. Wow. Nice. There. And, and, uh, yeah, they've, they've been really, really good to, to, uh, my employees. And cause I was concerned of mine. They, but they got, uh, they have, I think they have stock option plans for them and all sorts of things. Cool. And they're, yeah, I, I have no idea where their revenue point is now, but they're, they're they've acquired five or six companies. And so they're doing really, wow. really well. And in fact, they, they liked what we did so much for our administration side that, that they, uh, uh, our administration side handles pretty much all the administration for all their U S acquisitions. So, huh. yeah. Wow. It must feel good to be, uh, to, cross dot all your i's and cross your t's and uh walk away being completely proud of something that yeah. you built like that and yeah I mean, you, you earn your retirement you know i mean that oh, was thank you it's it's it was it was bittersweet i i mean i worked for them yeah. for like four months and they said you know thank you but we don't need your service anymore and i just went okay so i just got fired for <laughs> <laughs> right it was kind of a joke you know yeah i took unemployment I'm not shy about saying that yeah. I paid into it for 40 years. Yeah. Right. I deserve it for mm-hmm. my kids gave me crap about that. And I said, uh, okay. I took it and, until it ran out yeah. and they 
said, really, you're un- taking unemployment. No, I'm kidding. They, uh, but I, I have a couple of companies sniffing around at me and yeah. you know, just kind of probing whether, like, I don't know if the right opportunity would come up and it's kind of short term. Maybe I look at it. Once I could stay here and play golf, it'd be good. Right. What a great yeah, position. Well, I'm certainly going to keep an eye on what you do. I, I would love to keep track of, uh, what you do i'm just so interested in uh because you've always been an idea person and obviously knowing how to run a company um not everybody has that capability oh thank you thank you i don't again there, there's there's a lot of layers of I, there's one of the other things too i had to learn there's a lot more smarter people than i am out there and uh uh just watching some of these and, and some of the opportunities I've had during uh, uh, since I've retired and, and uh, we go out and play golf with these guys and it's very super successful guys that just, you, you look at them, you wouldn't, you, you just pick up nuggets from them. And it, at the end of the day, it's, it's people. Yeah. Right. It all boils down to people. Yeah. Someone may be great in tech and do great things in tech, but uh, he's got to be, or she, he's got, they've got to be good with people, and you know they got to be honest with their, their employees, and they've got to take their take their lumps where they're they're deserved, yeah. right? It, it's you know I think I, there were a few times I just raised my hand, and go, yep, my fault, I did it. You know, and at the end of the day, the buck stops with the boss, and to 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 be able to do all those things, you got to eat crow a couple times. Did I think I? Did I tell you, Derek, once you had to eat crow with somebody? Um, probably. Yeah. There are a couple of people I've had to tell that mm. where you screwed up with the customer. I know one time, was, yeah, I think it was yeah. you yelled, somebody yelled at you. Uh-huh. And I got on the phone and I screamed, I called their boss every name in the book. And he goes, What in the hell did I do? And he goes, That's how your employee just talked to my employee. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) And, and they, but at the end of the day, it's, you need, you know, so, but by the same token, you know, to get there sometimes, you know, I've had some of the worst bosses in the world. You just learn from what they did wrong, you know, and how they treated their, their people that that's not how you treat your employees. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's really, really true. And since I worked for you so early in my life, I didn't have a lot to compare it to. Um, I knew you were a great boss and I knew you were someone I wanted to look up to. And then when I went on to work for a handful of other people over years, you find that, you know, some other people are good at this or that, or other people are just really shouldn't be in management at all. Like Derek, um, (laughs) and and it it makes you appreciate, um, working for someone like you early on in my life, because it was such a foundational formative time in my life, uh, shown the right way to do it. Um, versus when you kind of meet or interact with other people who show you some of the wrong ways of doing things. It, it's a pretty fortunate um, situation to have had um, because there are so many ways of, I don't know, like squashing morale is a big one in a company, you know, like giving people the the freedom, the the autonomy to really feel like they own something and empowerment is a big one. But it's also like a slippery slope because you don't want to give people too much freedom on us. Obviously, you want them to do what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but it, it's it's a very fine line to to walk, I think. Um, yeah. 
Well, you know, I got I I was accused a few times of giving people too giving too much people a rope to hang themselves. Mm-hmm. I said, going, well, don't hang yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm giving you a lot of rope here. Yeah. I'm not going to let you go too far. And and uh, 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 it, it's not my job. It wasn't my job to babysit. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing too. When you start getting the certain number of employees, it feels like you're babysitting. And I didn't want. I didn't want that. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, so that, that was kind of a, a, a path I had to, to navigate as well. And it's not my, it wasn't my job to, to make, sh- it was my job to see you succeed. It wasn't my job to make, to help you do your job. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so I had a, a few people that actually had to, uh, to, uh, uh, bail on us that that uh i i, I couldn't help them mm-hmm. you know, and, and and there you know we talked about before where i tried to help people move them around there are a few i just couldn't help it yeah it, you know they they uh i remember i had one guy uh this is all post you guys he was uh uh it was funny he uh i i asked him to do something he had all these qualifications and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't get it. Couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, oh, what part of this don't you understand? Help me help you. Yeah. And I said, because I looked at him and said, I can write this in a weekend. And you've been spending three weeks. Okay. I don't mean that. So I'm giving you and helping you out. And so he quit because I was too mean to him. Oh. Hmm. all right well the problem is that and this is something that you know we all learn our lessons from different people my 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 dad i learned a lot of lessons from he was a very extremely fair boss he had most of his he had he didn't have very many employees quit and he had a lot of employees retire before he did and uh he uh he would actually dress people down in public. And I know that people don't appreciate that mm-hmm. and don't like that, but I, I did that a couple of times and it, it the point was to drive that everybody was, was there was nobody special. Now that obviously it was a sensitive subject. I bring someone in. <clears throat> I'd never dress down a manager in public because that's not appropriate. But uh, uh, th- there were a couple of times when somebody would do something like I remember, I can say this, if Nancy ever sees this, she will totally, totally agree with it. She had been working with me for about two or three weeks working for us. And uh, as, as you can tell, I have a propensity to talk a lot. So uh, <clears throat> she was uh, saying something and I interrupted her, which I have a propensity to do to people. And I started talking. She turned around and looked at me and said, excuse me, I was speaking. <laughs> and everybody just froze. <laughs> Faces were like fear written across her face. They thought I, 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 they thought I was going to kill her. And I just looked and I go, no, you're no longer speaking. <laughs> you are now going to be quiet for the rest of this meeting. And <laughs> I, I actually kept my cool and I didn't dress... But, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I think the best dressing down I ever did was actually not in public. I actually got two. I had, uh, two, uh, lady employees working f- for me that 
they worked for me a long time and you knew both of them and they 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 were bickering nonstop. Derek, you may remember this. This may have been when I sat the two of them in the room and I just looked at the two of them and I go, I am so disappointed in both of you. And they both started crying oh. and just, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you did this. So it's never going to happen again, is it? Oh no, never. It's never going to happen. And I had the best employee relations with them after that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, just a matter of, you know, they said you can dress someone down when it's appropriate. Sure. If, if someone disses the boss in front of other people, I couldn't let that happen. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. But if someone was like, no, you need to, I could take them in, into another room and discuss it with them. And then uh, sometimes he just said, I had to learn to let things slide. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't worth it. And, you know, some people, you know, people would know better, but uh, uh, I got, I did get more mellow as I aged. I didn't yell as near as much. You, you guys heard me yell a few times. A few. So. I don't remember you ever yeah. being like, Oh, you weren't on the technical side. Of oh, okay, okay. All right. So I was in the charmed sales department. Yeah, we were sweethearts. It would be sometimes when somebody would walk in and you're coding, and I, and I mean, you know, when you're, when you're coding, you know, it, it takes thirty minutes once you get distracted to ramp back up to where you were at, and somebody yeah. would come in and disturb you. Like, not now. <laughs> so, like I would hear that. That that would be like pretty frequent but i get it though you know my wife would call it she calls that code mode yeah she goes tim's yeah. in code mode leave him alone just right. in code. doesn't matter what he's doing yeah <laughs> yeah hand out so, yeah hand out that's right I remember. Oh, not, now. not now yeah i can't i'm a man i'm i am a man i can't multitask don't ask me to do that <laughs> hallelujah i am right there with you like yeah. my wife makes fun of me he goes, I love you and you can't multitask. He goes, that's right. God built me that way. I used yeah. to be able to multitask, but I also had anxiety. So <laughs> I think yeah. the anxiety was driving the multitasking. So yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'm bad at get more done. I'm bad that at that way, too. I'll don't. be I'll be doing something and my wife will be explaining something. Like if I'm trying to like type or whatever, I'm typing an email or whatever, and she'll come over and start kind of talking to me or whatever. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. I need <laughs> I need you just to just wait. I know what you're saying is important and I care, but you got to give me five minutes here. I can't. Yeah, I can't um, do it. we have that at home. The thing that I'd love the 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 one place that I love that the wife your your wife's significant others can't probably understand it either is the nothing box right you guys have your nothing box you can sit there and think about absolutely nothing oh yeah yeah totally yeah, no, that's your nothing box oh yeah okay and yeah. your nothing box is the best place to be sometimes because you're just staring off into space and and i do that at the office sometimes i just be in my nothing box uh-huh and uh and someone tony or whoever come said they go what what the, were you sleeping? Well, yeah, that used to happen too. But uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I go, no, 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 I'm in my nothing box. And my, my yeah, my wife doesn't like the nothing box. She's like, what are you thinking about? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. my wife Absolutely. does that too. Yeah, she thinks like I'm like, um, she's like, I keep thinking you're having like really deep thoughts. And she's like, you're just not. Though. I'm like, yeah, so no, quiet. I'm not. I'm not. You're so quiet. You're driving along. You go, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Are we having a conversation about something? I'm in my nothing box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can relate. That's funny. Well, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you try to teach your, your kids about all these things too. So, yeah. 
my boys to just teach them it's okay to have a nothing box. You can go there and do absolutely nothing. Yep. It's your thing. It's healthy. No, it's really good. It's where you should be probably most of the time anyway. Uh-huh. I wish my yeah. wife had, you know, my wife and my daughters all had nothing boxes. That way they could just go to their nothing box versus <laughs> we want to harass dad or harass husband box because we want this thing done <laughs> and, or, you know, this needs to be cleaned and the, 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 the honeydew box, the honeydew box is a large box. That's a, that's a big box. Yeah. yeah. Lots of compartments in that one. Oh yeah. No, there's, there's a to-do list pretty, pretty long. It never shrinks. So, <laughs> oh man. Well, damn, well, I'm stealing that. I'm stealing the nothing box. That's going to be part of my. I know. That's funny. I'm going to have to explain now. that to my wife too. Next time she's going, what are you thinking about? And I say, nothing. nothing. Like literally like nothing. Really? You look so deep in thought. No, no. I'd love to say. So I'm... You're, you're nothing box. Yeah. Right no, I'd, I'd love to say I'm working box. on the world's problems, yeah. but I've got literally <laughs> nothing going on right now. Yeah. Man. Well, we should wrap, guys. This has been so much fun. Yeah. It's so great to talk yeah, to you, Tim, absolutely. and reconnect. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Love to do it again. We'll probably pick a much shorter topic. Uh, so, <laughs> catching what? up on 18 years. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. And, and then there's some of those things about, yeah, about like how you got started in the company that we've never really talked about. So I was kind of wondering that. Derek and I have talked about the the the, the company quite a few times, but it's really cool to have you on and kind of go through the whole thing and, and – uh, it's just really cool to talk to you again, man. All right. Great talking to you guys. Well, absolutely. we will definitely do it again. And yeah. um, you got plans today? You going to go golfing? You going to do anything? No, I think my honeydew box is kind of full. Ah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a good yeah. time for a it's, nothing it's, box. It's kind of, it's it's noon out here. And if I, if I do that, I'm already looking. It's like going, uh, oh, no, I got to go. Yeah, no, I got to go to Home Depot. I forgot. So. Ah. All right, man. That's that's story of my life, man. <laughs> With new house, yeah. That, there's a lot of that to happen, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, very cool, man. So great talking Thank to you. you. Thanks so much for coming on and joining us. And we'll uh, talk to yeah. you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank cool. You, Take it easy, Tim. Bye. Well, you know, I got a, I I was accused a few times of giving people too giving too much people a rope to hang themselves. I said, going, well, don't hang yourself. <laughs> Hey, this is Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really do appreciate you. And we hope you're enjoying the show. Derek and I sure have a ton of fun doing it for you. If you'd like to support the show, that would be great. Um, you could follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Uh, also, if you want to like the show or leave a good review, that would be cool. Let us know we're doing a good job. We'd appreciate it. Uh, in most podcast apps, you can also click the little bell icon thing and that means you'll get a notification on your phone every time we put out a new episode. So that's kind of cool. Also, if you want to reach out and say what's up, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. We're also on Instagram as Derek and Mike. Or you can go to our website, DerekandMike.com. And if you want to go super old school and antisocial, you could even shoot us an email, info at DerekandMike.com. Thanks again for listening. We really, really do appreciate you. And we look forward to talking to you again next time.